0: I feel that way
1: about, uh,
0: the one Oasis album,
1: the first or second one, the
0: second one Classic. that has like, I think Wonderwall, I was listening to that. I, I have these different playlists that I make and I'm, so, some of them are the years cause yeah. I like going back to the year cause yeah. it brings me back to wherever I was in my life and the songs and what they mean. Yeah. And, uh, I think Wonderwall was maybe it was 95 or 96. Yeah. But that yeah. song, just beginning, middle, and end, is like kind of perfect.
1: Dude, it's perfect. It's It's gotta be one perfect. of the best five songs anyone's ever written it's, and executed. I mean, it's definitely in the top ten greatest songs ever to come out of the United Kingdom, which is like that's lofty mm. in itself. So you know, you you know, you're bringing Zeppelin and the Beatles and Ray. Floyd and all sorts of people into that, that equation. I think Noel Gallagher wrote that one. He got that one in. And-
2: Today is gonna be the day that you're going run back to you By now you should have realized what you got to do I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now And all the roads that lead to you are winding all the blind to you, blinding There are many ways that I would like to sing to you But I don't know how Said maybe Is this abysmal or what? Yeah Okay It's always good to make fun of a way to
0: say something I it Uh, Paul Uh, man yeah. At last someone talks about Wonderwall and gives it the credit that it deserves.
1: What what top number British songs you know how lofty would you put it at like the 5000th best British song? I mean there are to be 5,000 better songs than Wonderwall that came out of Britain.
0: Damn, you You dropped out of the sarcasm too fast. I was ready to just say number. it's in the conversation for number one. I mean, you got Strawberry Fields. Yeah, but could you connect to Strawberry Fields the way you connect to Wonderwall?
1: I don't know. I said maybe. Um, yeah,
0: maybe you're going to be the one that saves me. Uh, it's a good test to
1: see... How, how much of a normie somebody is <laughs>
0: yes how much they're actually thinking about the music they're listening to yeah um because i i understand being 13 yeah and thinking that wonder wall is
1: perfect totally I, I, it,
0: it, it
1: there's no question that it, i didn't really know it at the time but if i did i would have thought this song fucking rules the same way i did like i thought machine head from bush ruled mm, at mm-hmm. that age
0: um machine head I think Machine Head's probably a better song than Wonderwall. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably fair. What about, uh,
1: I guess uh, Glycerine would be more comparable. That's like Bush's is. attempt to do Wonderwall.
0: Yeah, Everything Zen is my jam on that that album. Yeah. That's, that's my favorite. Anyway, we're off the topic. <laughs> we, uh,
1: we need to do our Bush podcast, yeah. We do. By which I um, mean an entire repeating podcast about Bush.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. 50 episodes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Paul, we played uh, Bill Simmons and Zane Lowe talking about uh, Oasis's Wonderwall. Then we played Tom York making fun of Wonderwall. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's just the whole podcast uh, with Simmons and Lowe uh, being old normies talking about music. It's it's just everything we stand against.
1: Yeah, it was... Yeah, you know, I tried to listen, and um, it became physically painful, and then I turned it off because I don't have to do that to myself. Um, there's, there's, if I were to listen to it, I would have to question whether I had some sort of addictive relationship with the Bill Simmons podcast.
0: <laughs> there's a certain like kind of person that's like at a young age decides they want to be in the music industry. Like, not in a band, but to be, like, mm. you know, the A&R man, the yeah. record exec, like, the they're going to be
1: operator, uh, important. The hangers, the hanger-on whose name you know.
0: Yes, and, you know, to be fair, I should mention that uh, just the other day, Pitchfork linked Zane Lowe's interview with Tom York, so, I mean, it's really working out for him, but... Oh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, yes,
1: he is the voice of Apple Music or whatever, mm-hmm. Um so Uh,
0: wow good good for you that would really go down in history uh
1: (laughs) i feel like as all our co-music commentators us bitching about him is possibly the sourest grapes of all time so (laughs) i suppose so but i think
0: that uh i think maybe it's more uh us dragging him into hell with
1: (laughs) i don't think he's going anywhere he's just like yeah i'm uh still rich and famous and good looking so thanks guys uh
0: yeah but his opinions suck well i know and i agree um uh oh paul i feel like you're i feel like you're wavering in here. my elitism uh, yeah we need to we need to strike this bullshit down <laughs> wonderwall is not a okay no good no song.
1: his opinions but, definitely suck like like i said it was physically painful to listen to him enthuse too much mm-hmm. um especially with Uh, Bill Simmons, who is a very entertaining podcaster and whose music opinions make my skin crawl. Um, But um, uh, its I guess my point is um, I have no problem shitting on his opinion. But um, saying, um, I don't know, uh, it's not that I need to be civil to Zane Lowe. It's that I feel like it's pathetic for me to try to feel like Zane Lowe gives a shit if I say fuck him.
0: (laughs) True. That's very true. But what does it mean to have a position of power in terms of your opinion about music and use it to uh try and uplift uh pop music from decades ago that is already as popular as music can can be like that there yeah. is no song could be more popular <laughs> than wonderwall is and i'm not saying it's the most popular song yeah worldwide. yeah but it's
1: at the top tier of hit singles it,
0: yeah. yeah so what is the point of like sitting there and uh yeah. you know sucking its dick i, yeah. I don't know like
1: <laughs> yeah no that is also uh pathetic to reuse a word uh, and that's what was so <laughs> just so funny about it it's just like really you're you're here to tell us that fucking wonderwall which is a ridiculous song from a couple of ridiculous ass people um, is one of the best songs ever. Like, I, you can name a lot of very popular songs that I would have no problem with you saying that of. It's specifically this song It's yeah, so funny.
0: Uh, totally, and and it's it's. I mean, I, I'm not even one to to bash Oasis. I mean, yeah. Oasis is a good alternative rock band, and I think they did produce songs that are.
1: I agree, actually.
0: Worthy of you know going back and 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 listening to and uh thinking about at least uh, as actually important cultural artifacts and not just novelties yeah um but uh i don't i it, I, I, I just I, I come back to that question again of of w- using your platform for oasis
1: mhm mm. yeah no it's just like it's it's like um Going out – it's like going out and being like, you know, I'm Mr. Political Commentator guy. And, like, you make it a point to bring up, like – like you're on some talk show or something. You, you make it a point to bring up, uh, you know, I'm an American history professor. And I've got to tell you guys, it's really important you know this. Abraham Lincoln was one of the top five presidents we have <laughs> ever had. Um, It's that you say it in the stupid fucking, like, ESPN sports talk voice like that. Like, yes. Like, oh, great! You think Wonderwall is a cool song? You know, thank you. Uh, we all already knew about Wonderwall. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, think like, that's what it is. <laughs>
0: right, right. Like, what? How? What percentage of people who are, were listening to that mm-hmm. could have sung the chorus to Wonderwall like unprompted?
1: And how many of them were like, yeah, I listened to that song a billion times, and I uh, uh, am too sick of it to think it's that great anymore. Like, I don't, I don't. Who, who's the constituency? that uh i don't know now yes. i'm contradicting no, no. myself i don't know this
0: is i think this is the question though i yeah. think you're getting at it yeah like
1: who are the people who need... still really love wonderwall i don't know it's such no, a weird no. thing to still really love
0: or like or no I, I i think i i i thought you're going for who yeah. are the people who need this elucidated for them
1: But, I mean, I get it that some of it is cheerleading. I mean, we cheerlead for albums that we really, and artists we really love, you know? Like, a lot of our listeners don't need to be told that, man, Kid A was a good album, but we say it a lot. Um, So, I don't know.
0: Yeah, true. I guess I try and justify that by, with the fact that Kid A is good. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, Joe, I think we self owned ourselves with the same. <laughs> we did. We did. We did. No.
0: Uh, we can we can grasp onto uh we can grasp onto the straws of our elitism
1: Uh uh-huh no elite straws i i I think is I, i guess that's what i've been resisting is just making it like like oh fuck you idiots it's just like that's pretty funny to go off on how much you love wonderwall which is just a silly song to me sort of
0: yes the silliness there's a silliness to the whole exercise yeah that is unacknowledged
1: Yes, that's what and, it is. It's and the pomposity we, yes. of it.
0: Yes, and that we constantly acknowledge. Yes, by just this is. I
1: mean, did we not just spontaneously <laughs> burst into self-mocking laughter? Yes. Um uh you couldn't imagine Zane Lowe and Bill Simmons doing that. Well, Bill Simmons will laugh at himself, but not about Wonderwall. <laughs> no, no. It's and
0: uh yeah, I don't know. I guess I guess uh I guess probably both of them cue that track up in Spotify uh, when they're, you know, they've had a couple whiskeys and mm-hmm. they're still driving home and mm-hmm. uh, they're singing Wonderwall, mm-hmm. uh, taking that
1: corner real sharp, <laughs> you know? I mean, Who is the Wonderwall? I, I guess that's what's so funny to me about the song is like, what the fuck does that lyric even mean? I have no idea. Um, it seems like an attempt to be psychedelic and whimsical that just is actually nonsensical. Um so I don't know. <laughs> I, it's it's that um Joe, are you there? Yes. Okay. It's that uh uh there's no objective correlative to a Wonder Wall to use the T. S. Eliot term. It doesn't it summons nothing for me. And so as they as they take that drunken, hard, sharp turn, I'm like, what are they even thinking about when they're belting <laughs> this out?
0: Like what are what are Bill and, and Zane thinking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, or whoever. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's—I mean—that's a—that's a a bigger question as to like as you get to uh, a certain point in your life, and these songs require uh, you to (laughs) stretch—you know—stretch the reality of your mind further and further back in your life. That is true. When any of these emotions were, uh, you know, had a had a practical application for you.
1: Yeah, well, and you know, that's like what I feel like. Sometimes when I listen to a song like uh XYU uh mm-hmm. or something like that, which was like a monument of breakup uh emotional focus for me, or just emotion romantic uh, uh letdown emotional focus for me. Like I would I would purposefully put it on so that I could rage about how um uh it wasn't working out with girls. Um and uh uh it's like like that is just not how I deal with uh, uh, any of that side of my life anymore. By putting on super loud uh, uh, alt metal and uh, headbanging, um, but it's, yeah, now it's... <laughs> now
0: if you get ghosted, you put on the XX, right?
1: <laughs> no, just Drake straight up the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but um, the 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 literally the XX and Drake should do a whole album together. Um, but
0: that, Man, that album could possibly be the best-selling album of all time. <laughs> that,
1: would be, that would actually be cool. Anyway, uh, uh, yeah. So uh, when I listen to that kind of song, like I definitely am even without even – before I'm even thinking about it, I'm like calling back to, like what was it like to really, really feel the lyrics of this song in a personal, immediate way? Um, so – yeah, but I get it in that case Because it's about a thing A Wonderwall is nothing Yes, yes, so you don't stop Cool, ID, best rapper, you don't stop Another fucking
0: hundred fucking dollar freestyle stop for you and your mind Come on, yeah You can never define anything But divine love I'm a savage beast <laughs> Slightly above average at least Nah, preference is relative My reference is consistently uh, Bring you to another vicinity I hit you with the riddles consistently And welcome to Savage Beast, uh, I'm Joe Gallagher, uh, with me, as always, uh, he's wearing a straw hat past <laughs> the date it's socially acceptable, it's Paul McLeod. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's great because the the more obscure the joke is to uh, the hypothetical listener, um, uh, the more I laugh about it, and the longer they have to sit in total confusion. Um yeah, um... Straw, straw Hat
0: Riot. Google it.
1: Do you think Do you think that we should go back to hats for men as just, like, a de rigueur thing, Joe? Um, you know, I mean... It would really help the balding among us.
0: It's basically, uh... is, is de rigueur here in Portland. Uh, Interesting. And it's baseball
1: caps. <laughs> yeah, it's dad caps. Yeah, the dad cap. Series.
0: The dad cap rules out here. Uh, I was, um... Uh... It was actually in Bend, Oregon at a riverfront bar, and I I had a, a new hat that I I just purchased that I was proud of. I had it on dad cap, and I looked around, and I just saw that every single dad there had yeah. a cap on. I every mean there, it, single it, one. Yes, it, it was required part of the outfit. Um,
1: That's funny. Yeah. I have never been a hat guy.
0: I wasn't, and then I you know I I started wearing one. I started wearing a golf hat I bought in Hawaii. Uh, on a, probably a day drunk whim, and I started. To, <laughs> I enjoyed the sensation. Um, it's, it's a it's a cheap way to uh, a couple hip points if you're wearing the right hat.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, you're accessorizing.
0: Yeah, exactly. I like to accessorize. I've always wanted to wear jewelry, but you know,
1: yeah, fucking society, fucking
0: society. There'd be a riot. Uh huh. Like the straw of hat lust. riot. <laughs> yeah um, I will say in my experience with hats, um, wearing the hat of your local uh, professional women's soccer team mm. will get you a lot of comments, a lot of positive comments. My Portland Thorns hat, it's just on
1: fire. Is it like from the right demographics?
0: <laughs> yeah, actually it's from it's from many demographics. you know, you get it from um, uh, probably the demographics you're seeking. Uh, and you also get it from you know the the bartenders the people yeah. who are who are running the the sports bar or whatnot you know
1: that makes sense that's cool yeah yeah i don't think tucson is uh progressive enough to have a um uh women's soccer team we do have a sugar skull mascotted uh arena football team though so
0: sweet yeah it's like orlando in the 1990s <laughs> exactly
1: uh the stories i could tell about the orlando predators but that's another podcast um
0: uh yes it is um i'm sure the number one orlando's predator podcast <laughs> would <laughs> welcome you as a guest
1: <laughs> i live next to jake rudin anyway go on uh,
0: uh oh there you go right i remember these stories uh yeah. moving on um paul uh, we're gonna talk about some psychedelic shit today mm. uh, but first uh, we have some random shit to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I noticed that... Um, so the Portland Zoo has concerts. Uh, if our loyal listeners will recall, I went to a Bell and Sebastian and Japanese breakfast concert there uh, last year. And this year I noticed they had... Uh, we're hosting Death Cab for Cutie with car seat headrest opening.
1: Wow, at the zoo. Um,
0: at the zoo next to the elephants. Um... I, uh, uh, they keep the elephants inside during the concert. Um, <laughs> and you can still go and As see the As opposed to in the
1: crowd? Oh, no, you mean in the pen. I get it. Yeah, there's like a pen. There's okay. like an
0: outdoor pen. But you can like, you could wander into the elephant exhibit when you're pretty drunk at one of these shows.
1: Yeah, that would um, be bad.
0: Yeah, no, no, it it is bad. And, and um,
1: regardless. Um, I will not have an elephant Harambe. Uh, the human can die.
0: Yes! Oh my God! Yes! Just, just train snipers just on the human. Mm -hmm. Um, God, Elephant Harambe. Um, where was I? Right. So I think this concert is (laughs) drunk in the elephant enclosure. That's what (laughs) he was. I think this concert is a. um, It's a great lineup because here's what you do: you go you know you've got your gummy or your vape pen Mm -hmm. and you know you you're set up and and there's always this problem you know where um you want to be at the optimal place for the band you're coming to see Mm -hmm. but a lot of times if that you know if you have to indulge outside the venue for instance, or something, or or you're trying to you know uh, uh, pace yourself. Mm-hmm. When you get to like ten o'clock and the band you want to see is going on, you know you're you're too far gone or things have worn off. But like if the if the band you really into is the opener, yeah, then you know you're you're going to be at the good spot when they come on. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have your energy. Uh, uh, your if you choose to indulge in some chemicals, they're going to be hitting then. Um, and then see when it's followed up with something like Death Cab, who were at their peak, you know, 18 years ago, <laughs> 15 years ago. Yeah, but you can get real maudlin, 15 and,
1: is generous, and,
0: and yes, and nostalgic. Well, no, 15 is good. That's 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 uh, like transatlanticism. Transatlanticism is is. well yeah there's it's a different discussion but yeah there's uh, a that we've already had yes (laughs) um uh you know you can get you can get be a little too far gone at that point yeah you know then you can kind of like really get into that you can get uh uh sentimental and or so you're
1: saying like you can be like perfect for for car seat headrest but then you can get fucked up for death cab yes yes
0: exactly <laughs> that's 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 exactly it whether it's in mind body or both
1: yeah i like it that's pretty cool um maybe i should have done that when i went to see uh uh churches with um uh cherry glazer opening from the for them yes but
0: totally good example of this
1: yeah um but I think I had a good time the time second
0: running. band needs to be uh, you know, of a strong connection to like they need to be more of a nostalgia act.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, and churches isn't quite that for me, although I do like them quite a lot. And they're not and they're they're past their peak already, probably. So um yeah, no, this is cool. I agree with you. Uh having a great opener is fun. I guess this also happened, oh, in a classic sense, except I didn't uh really know Pavement quite well enough to for this to be the case, but um, I did see Speedy Ortiz opening for Stephen Malkmus one time. Mm, Nice, yeah. Um, When when Speedy Ortiz had just the first album, which I love, Um, so that was cool. Um, Yeah, Yeah. I agree, Joe. Good show. You should go to it.
0: I I should. Um, We'll we'll see if the timing works out. Mm -hmm. um but yeah i was i was trying to think if there's like a even it is pretty close to the ideal uh combination for something like that i mean i could get into maybe it was car seat headrest opening for weezer that might be yeah the ultimate for this yes
1: yeah death cab isn't far away from that though no no not at all yeah um yeah did i talk about uh it this uh, sort of bears on this. Did I talk about seeing Shushu recently?
0: Uh you you, you said you that you did. Okay. Well that was it.
1: Anyway, there's some it's interesting just seeing somebody twice like a decade apart and who's been around for like twenty mm-hmm. years almost. And um uh shit, hold on. Are you still there? Good. Yes. Okay. Um and uh uh, just seeing how they are changed and say the same. I don't know. Actually, it turns out I had nothing insightful to say because of this. Uh, but Shushu was a good show, so we can move on. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, I'm sure they were.
1: Yeah. And Thor from Swans was in them. The guy who uh, has a great Twitter video with instructions on how to punch a Nazi should you need to do that.
0: Hmm. Nice. Yeah. Uh, having seen Avengers Endgame today, like three months late, I was like, Thor.
1: No. Real Thor. Thor, the indie music Thor. Mm, uh, okay. it, actually, yes, a much more real Thor than the, the one real in the movie. Thor. Yeah. So, yes, the real Thor. <laughs> totally. Um, yes, who was a man pretending to be a fictional character. So, yes. Um, shall we move on to our albums, Joe?
0: Yeah, we should. I'm excited to yeah. uh, um, uh, talk about the distant past.
1: Yeah. Let's do the more famous one first, I say. Um, okay. Which is Captain Befart and his magic bands, produced by Frank Zappa, Trout Mask Replica. 50th um, anniversary. Yeah. This is the 50th anniversary of this year. It came out in 1969, which is pretty nice. And um, yeah, people still talk about this album, which, yeah. you know, there's some albums from back then that people do that. But this one has um, a special reference for it. So maybe we should start it out with a musical selection from this album.
0: Yeah, I'd say let's play uh, My Human Gets Me Blues.
1: All right, I will cue that up. And note to you, Joe, this will take slightly longer because I'm going to do it from vinyl. Yes.
0: Did you have to... Was the Is the vinyl in print? Um,
1: I'm not sure. I think it's... I think on Amazon you have to get it from a third party. Um, yeah, that's what I saw. But I found a forty-five dollar copy on Discogs from a, an indie store in Seattle, so I bought it.
0: That that sounds out of print if it's yeah. forty-five dollars. Yeah, but
1: that, for a double album, it's not like crazy. You know?
0: Yeah, true. <laughs>
2: dress, I knew you were under duress, I knew you under your dress, just keep coming Jesus, you're the best dress, you look dandy in the sky, but you don't scare me, cause I got you here in my eye, in this lifetime you got my human gets me blue With your jaw hanging slack and your hair's curling Like an old navy fork sticking in the sunset The way you were dancing I knew you'd never come back You were straining to keep your old black crack patent shoes this lifetime, you got my human, gets me blues. Well, the way you've been, old lady, I could see the fear in your windows. Under your furry crawling brow, a silver bow rings up in inches. You were afraid. Be the devil's red wife. But it's alright, God dug your dance and would have you young and in his harem dress you the way he wants. Cause he never had a doll. Cause everybody made him a boy. And God didn't think to ask his preference. You can bring your dress in your favorite dog, in your husband's cane, in your old spotted hog. Cause in this lifetime.
0: That was uh my human gets me blues from uh Trout Mask replica uh an album that is not only a monument of the avant-garde uh it is uh, a singular avant-garde rock achievement in that it is actually very good. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So, <laughs> that's fair. As a person who probably likes uh, the quote-unquote avant-garde of rock a little bit more than you, um, I would agree. This is definitely more appealing, despite being just as fucking weird as anything out there. Um,
0: and I think, to to get into it um, uh, beyond sort of the weirdness, uh, it... It has the feeling of some friends who were doing way, way too much acid. Mm-hmm. Um, they were, they were. I think that checks out. They were determined to uh, make some music within their moment uh, that they were having, and mm-hmm. that, um, and they did not compromise uh, when, um, uh, when they're talking they're convinced about the beauty of the phrase bulbous
1: squid Um, uh fast and bulbous
0: fast and bulbous there we go and yeah yeah. um and they they don't shy away from that they want to build a song around it they want to say it record a dialogue yeah (laughs) yeah uh and um it's surreal. I mean, they they make that uh, admission with some direct Dolly references to Dolly's uh, yeah. rain taxi, um, which I've weirdly seen in Florida. Oh, you um, have? Yeah, I uh, didn't know it still
1: existed because like the internet has like a couple of shitty black and white photos of it. I feel no.
0: Like. They re I, well, so the internet was like it's in Spain, but actually, I think they now it's now also there's also a permanent exhibit of it in. The Dali Museum in
1: Saint Petersburg, oh. Florida. I need to go to that because I love Salvador Dali.
0: Yeah, it's a great museum. It's so weird that it's in Florida. It's just that's feel, feels, looking at actual good art in Florida is a strange feeling.
1: That feels Dali uh, appropriate to me. Mm-hmm.
0: They have the Abraham Lincoln painting there, which one of the one of the best ones. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, there's there's just this. Uh, there's a melting going on here and you're just trying to grab onto something it's it's continually like <laughs> slicking away into different colors that's um, a that's
1: a good way to put it it's sort of like uh, protean music in that mm-hmm. it's not um actually cohering into shape yet it's not not in shape entirely
0: yes um, a lot of what the acid trip sequences in in movies sort of falsely portray as menace um, is here better represented, um, as just the, uh, awestruck nature of looking at a purer consciousness.
1: (laughs) So, um, you're, uh, you gave a sort of, let's say, mythological account of how Mm -hmm. the album was put together just now. Sure. Um, did you read about how it was actually put together at all? Oh, I did. Okay. <laughs> the, the, the composition. Too. <laughs>
0: Delightful.
1: Yeah. Because um, it was like that, and yet it was uh, a lot more than that. And actually, to use a word you just used, somewhat menacing, it sounds like. Um, in that, you know, it was... Uh, they rehearsed it... Well, first, the parts were written by Captain Beefheart, uh, Don Van Vliet, uh, banging... Tunes out on a piano until he like got a riff he liked, despite the fact that he was not trained in how to play the piano or think about music at all. And the drummer sat next to him and recorded the parts into, you know, mm-hmm. musical notation and taught them then to the other band members, who then rehearsed all these songs nonstop for eight months in a tiny house with barely any food. And frequent physical abuse, until they could do all this incredibly wild, seemingly improvised music, the same way every time on command. And in fact, uh, did so recording the whole b- uh, basic tracks uh, between the the four musicians: the drummer, the bassist, and the two guitarists in uh, one five-hour session. At the end of the eight months of hell,
0: it's it's insane. That's so
1: crazy. <laughs> Um, it's like, I can see how this method actually worked because it feels so spontaneous, this music. Um, and I just assumed that it was recorded like a free jazz band does, which is with a lot of rehearsal, obviously, but, um, you're still improvising in the moment. Like you can go listen to like Miles Davis or John Coltrane reissues and there will be like different takes of these famous tracks and they're they're The improvisations are different each time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um but apparently, you know, according to this uh the internet, um uh they were these were actually these seemingly so loose they're barely in rhythm tracks, but that yet again do have rhythm were rehearsed so much that um they actually did it this way every time. That's really crazy to me.
0: Yeah that 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 part of the of the wikipedia article was is nuts
1: yeah it's pretty dark like um yeah captain beefheart doesn't seem like the coolest guy but uh, no (laughs) no
0: he seems to be uh on the on the psycho weird side of things yeah
1: but um you know uh it worked uh that's the sick thing is when it you know i I actually don't believe that you need to be that way to be a genius but um uh, sometimes it works
0: he does um he does seem to have recruited some people who uh had uh, uh had some truly harrowing experiences with the uh 60s drug culture prior. Yeah, well this was 1969
1: this. and 68, you know, this is like when everybody was like realizing oh you can do too much drugs. Um yes. <laughs> uh and uh you know then it all dissolved in assassinations and altamont and uh, uh everything else so uh it's interesting yeah that this this comes from like sort of the late peak of psychedelia this uh completely insane album that has somehow beca- remained very popular for 50 years or at least very known
0: yes um and and i i it's it is impressive that this album i mean obviously while having achieved a great deal of fame is still yeah not necessarily the most uh it's it's i guess because it's so difficult to listen to
1: yeah um, it,
0: on several levels so uh
1: by the way what was your process uh, you can finish that thought but I, I would like to hear in a second what was your process of coming to appreciate the album so anyway finish your thought if you want first
0: uh i would say no no that's a that's a good yeah it's a good transition just because um i think i came to just you know the occasional listen Mm -hmm. uh to it by the time i was listening to it for this i was um just more open to what was going on
1: Mm -hmm. so had you listened to it before this yes okay i had yes were you ever into frank zappa no okay so i did get into frank zappa uh i think i mentioned this before it's because he was like the guy who wrote my college uh rock and roll history textbook really really loved frank zappa so uh i got into tracks like you know frank zappa has like a a billion songs and a lot of them really suck um and a lot of them are ingenious so like (laughs) (laughs) so like there's like help i'm a rock is a crazy weird uh song that is also really good and so anyway frank zappa was uh literally childhood friends with captain beefheart and they Mm -hmm. grew up together learning how to do music and frank zappa produced this album which actually doesn't seem to have had that much influence on it like he just actually mostly recorded it um uh, and then you know edit it together which is cool uh, by his own admission he didn't do much uh direction um but uh so i knew about this because i consider myself like a um a mild fan of frank zappa and um captain beefheart does appear on the song willy the pimp from frank zappa's hot rats album um which both of those Names indicate his kind of genius for names that stick in your head, um, but uh, and I liked his voice on Willie the Pimp. But it, for some reason, I never got around to listening to this album, even though I knew about it and knew it was famous. And when Captain Beefheart died a few years ago, I read all the eulogies and everything, but I never like actually sat down to listen to this. And so I was glad of the occasion when you mentioned it. And my experience mm-hmm. was that first of all, I couldn't find it anywhere but YouTube because. Uh, it seems like maybe the Zappa estate has control of this or something somehow. And they are notoriously assholes about uh, this kind of thing. Um, and um, anyway, so I listened to it on YouTube and I got 26 minutes in and then I looked at the time remaining. I was like, oh, this is a double album. I had no idea. And after that 26 minutes, I had been like, you know, this is this is pretty interesting, but it's kind of like just too uh, free jazz uh, for me right now. And then when I came back to it about 15 minutes into continuing it, like the next day, I was like, oh, it actually makes sense now. And uh, this does kind of kick ass. It's like, it's weird how it can make you rock without actually rocking. Um, So uh, I got it. And then you read the Wikipedia and like every famous person has quotes along the same lines about how they didn't get it at first and then they loved it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's it's a grower not a shower. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that uh like the other album we will be talking about, mm-hmm. it is a very uh honest uh monument to this time mm-hmm. in musical history. Um one that is uh, outside the uh usual uh we'll say more crass <laughs> interpretations of the stereotypes of this time and the influences of this time.
1: That's a good way to put it uh, actually. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's, and it's because there, there are funny moments. Um, there's candor, 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 there's can, candor, can candor, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> funny moments. There's candor. Um, and there's, uh, you know, and there are some straight jams on it as well. And I think mm-hmm. that's, it, it, it's anchored in the fact that it is um, uh, an effort to understand this moment in music uh, yeah. more than it is, um, uh, you know, a, a cultural statement. Um, at least that's how I see it. I mean, who knows? Maybe Zeppa and Van Vliet would see it as a you know, as the music as it means to the end, but.
1: <laughs> um. Yeah, that's interesting. I, you know, obviously there are. You can tell it was made in the late '60s, um, yes. But um, uh, I, I don't know. I feel like there are several bands I can think of. Like, there's a band called Old Time Religion that's like misspelled from like 15 years ago. That was an indie band that had one track I liked, and I feel like they named themselves and indeed borrowed their entire aesthetic uh, from this album because uh, Old Time Religion is a lyric repeated at one point. Um and I didn't get that until I listened to this. I was like immediately uh when the when uh Beefheart was saying old time religion, um that I made that connection. So mm-hmm. and there's some other bands too that do this sort of like dirty blues punk thing, but none of them are managed to be both as wild and as listenable at the same time as this does. Um And I don't know, it's just, there's something, uh, you know, I love wild sort of free jazz drumming, which this album has uh, in spades. uh, All respect to uh, Drumbo, as he is credited in the album uh, notes uh, for his work. Uh, The bassist is pretty locked in with him. And then you have, pretty much for the entire album, that is the full band situation anyway, uh, two electric guitars, hard panned, one doing slide guitar uh and just sort of like semi in concert uh blues riffs uh, mm-hmm. all melted to hell um and uh then on top of that I think we should take a moment to talk about um how wild beefheart's voice is so I don't know Joe do you have any thoughts on that
0: um it's uh, it's such a singular thing yeah. that it's hard to compare it to anything else. I mean, it's it's like your weird friend pretending to sing, <laughs> That's um, pretty fair. or who's decided that they are going to become a guitar god, but just have no, as we said, no training or anything to guide them, and they just start playing. And there's there's a a, a wild confidence to it. Yeah, that is certainly, uh you know compelling
1: yeah i wonder how much of being an avant-garde genius is um just doing what the fuck you want to do and <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> not yeah. worry about anything and some of them get lucky and people actually like it um but uh yeah it's just it's crazy how he can um uh both do this sort of like weird drunken drawl shout thing um but then also uh, I don't know, sometimes he does uh put notes into it, and he can do that too. It's weird <clears throat> excuse me, he does it does remind
0: me of like the weirdest moments from like you know, various college parties and stuff with the the artier crowd, you yeah know? uh there's there's a connection there to just people, younger people who are taking drugs and exploring uh the the frontiers of their creative self oftentimes in ways that are uh well avant-garde is the nice word
1: for it (laughs) you know i i feel like there is every liberal arts college at all times has one at least one guy in the uh arts party scene who uh, is bombastic and looks exactly like Captain Beefheart, including yes. the hat. Um, Absolutely. And when he graduates, there's a new one who comes in, and these guys aren't even modeling themselves after him. It's just like a spirit that carries down the lineage through the years. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I uh, agreed completely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Captain Beefheart may be dead, but his spirit uh, was never his to begin with. It belongs to the world. And Mm we'll continue to come back. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, Paul, we now have another 60s album that you brought to the table. Yeah. Uh, That we should discuss. Yeah. This is
1: a totally random uh, find. It was in the, you know, hot and new in the house uh, list of uh, or stack of used albums at my local record store. And the cover design was interesting enough to catch my eye and then i googled it and then i youtubed it and i was like this is pretty cool after uh, a little bit and i decided to grab it it is mm-hmm. the united states of america's 1968 album and only album the united states of america and we will listen to a track called uh hard come in love and lest joe has a better idea i love it All right, give me a sec. So that was hard coming love from the United States of America is the United States of America. Um, we talked about ungoogleable band names before Joe. And obviously these people existed, uh, 30 some years before the existence (laughs) of Google, but that's a pretty bad one. Um, anyway, um, yeah. So I just picked this up album up randomly. I have the mono mix. I'm not sure if that's the one that, uh, is elsewhere available, uh, on vinyl. Um, But uh, I was um, pleased that for a random used record store pickup that wasn't that cheap, uh, it turned out to be uh, a pretty good example of psych rock, which is a genre I really enjoy, uh, from 1968. And it turns out that um, perhaps uh, boosted by the fact that it was this band's only album, um, it enjoys uh, a good reputation and is uh, a pretty fun listen to, um, like you said, a sort of uncompromising version of late 60s psychedelia.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was... um, ...delighted uh, by this album. Uh Ah, excellent. Uh, um, I think that what... Uh, like you said, it's a, it's a great example of of 1960s, late 1960s psych rock. Um, I, I wrote that it's like someone went to the free needle exchange, and just <laughs> injected 1968 straight into my veins. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, there's a purity to it, and there's also a modern edge to the production. Um, yeah. You know, where, uh, like, um, I... I Took some notes on the uh, on the opening track, um, "American Metaphysical Circus," uh, mm-hmm. where um, you know there's some backing, some weirder backing sounds that are slowly moved kind of front to center stage, uh, and the vocals are distorting in very like controlled and purposeful ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and just th- throughout the album, there's these little hints as it still comes, <laughs> as it still comes very hard, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, is is an unabashed rock album. Yeah, and I think that's another thing that appeals to me is that it's not, um,
1: it's not just uh, a bunch of hippie bullshit. Yeah.
0: Yes, exactly. It's meant to be a great rock album, uh, and it really pulls it off.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, there is some hippie bullshit too, but it's actually good hippie bullshit. Like yes. Uh, uh, there are a couple sort of like synth and, you know, chamber uh, or uh, chamber orchestra type tracks, and they're actually pretty and trippy at the same time.
0: Yeah, that's chill. Yeah.
1: And then most of the pretty much all the rock tracks uh, kick ass. Like you mentioned the, the American Metaphysical Circus. The thing that shocked me the first time I put it on was like, man, they really like turn up the fucking bass on this track. Mm-hmm. Um it really rolls yes. with uh the bass guitar, which I love, and then you put the distorted um uh and the is right? B- blah blah blah. The cost of one admission is your mind. It was like the most 60s <laughs> lyric ever, but it's yes <laughs> perfect. Um uh so yeah, you know, I don't feel like this album I was kind of expecting it to be like revolutionarily experimental when I put it on. And it's more like Jefferson Airplane with like a lot more weird synths um, is kind of what you get. Uh, But that's awesome. So yes, I was really happy with it. Um, uh, Apparently the synths are interesting because apparently in 1968 to get a synth that you could actually play with keys. uh, You had to get a Moog, which was twenty thousand fucking dollars uh, at the time. (laughs) So they didn't. And he just had to, like, you know, do sense where he's just, you know, turning dials to make different sounds out of them, um, which uh, produces some of the uh, weirder edge to a lot of the tracks. But uh, it works. So, yeah. Good for the United States of America.
0: Yes. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's it's hard to... Um both of these albums i mean you know obviously i lack uh some context for them but one thing that stuck out to me is um when you think about you know the late 60s and you hear an album like this you you understand why people were already um kind of chuckling at the beatles um because there was mm. like weirder shit in full swing that's true and i think there's there's a narrative that you know some of these bigger bands owned this time but uh, it it really didn't take anyone it took them it took people a matter of months to catch up and start doing um start making albums like this yeah uh and that's uh it's it's really cool It's it's a time of um um great uh you know uh, bloom yeah of just really fucking cool music
1: yeah and what's cool about it is that both of these albums you can listen to literally right now and maybe the actual fidelity sounds a little bit dated but the weirdness is uh has not been surpassed i would say you know correct um this is uh just as freshly bizarre to the modern year as to our uh parents and grandparents Um, who might've gotten it firsthand. Not that, uh, my parents would have listened to either of these albums. Um, uh, yeah. Joe, did you read anything about why this is was, was the United States of America's only album? I did not. Oh yeah. So they broke up because apparently, uh, it seems like, um, the main guy who wrote most of the songs, uh, disagreed with the lyricist, Dorothy Moskowitz and the producer. Um, but I wanted to read to you if I can find it again. Um, his, his one letter he wrote in modern times. Oh, here we go. Uh, uh, to discuss this. So, um, the album was released in 2004. There was a reissue on Sunday's records. Um, And USA member Joseph Byrd, again, the guy who was sort of the chief songwriter um, and uh, also played and sang on it, of course, um, but uh, was not the main singer. Uh, USA member Joseph Byrd claims to have little input to the Sunday's re-release of the album. Byrd claims he was, quote, interested in doing notes, and I figured this was a chance to get my voice heard. Dorothy and Rubinson, the producer, had both done extensive interviews referring to me in unpleasant fashion. As justification for their coup, I imagine. I asked for three hundred dollars and got it. I've written elsewhere to you that Sundays took out all the references they found controversial, including one about Bill Graham. So I just really enjoyed this rules. <laughs> I just Really enjoyed that quote so much. Yes. So angry. <laughs> So, um, yeah, it seems like they really didn't get along. There's also a quote here from Dorothy Moskowitz saying it wasn't half bad. And then she's like, "Uh, it should have all sounded like where is yesterday. Um, uh, Some of it, the rest of it was embarrassing. So, (laughs) um, seems like it didn't work out for the United States of America hmm
0: yes, I I can see that this be this was a troubled time for <laughs> trying to put an album together.
1: Yeah, you know, and they were pretty underground uh you know, sometimes underground people uh get pissed about how they have no money and they argue about things.
0: <laughs> uh Paul listen listening to this album on Spotify uh the the recommended bands are amazing. Ooh, give it to me. uh I click through to 50 foot hose. <laughs> Uh, and then to Ultimate Spinach, <laughs> uh, whose track Mind Flowers I enjoyed. And then from there to Peanut Butter Conspiracy. Wow. Um, all bands from, from this, this time. I was going to say, um, whenever
1: you get like, like, uh, uh, tri- food words in the band name, like Moby Grape, uh, mm-hmm. seemed, was like a thing back then, I feel like, with these trippy bands. Um,
0: and, uh, Number one, it's amazing that they're all on Spotify. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and number two, it's just bit that they're they're part of these like these movements that are a little lost to ta- time. Like Ultimate Spinach's bio, uh, it says Ultimate Spinach was one of the most well known and perhaps the most notorious of the groups to be hyped as part of the Boss Town Sound in 1968.
1: Mm-hmm. The Boston Sound, I've never which heard is of this. Apparently
0: a far out moniker of the psychedelic era
1: wow so wait was it from boston is that the pun or no that's not what's going on (laughs) i
0: don't know but i like that in the first the group were competent musicians but their their albums were generally poor third cousins to the west coast psychedelic yeah served as their obvious (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's the it's like you know how every town of five hundred thousand people in America has has had at least one shitty punk singing at some time. yeah And most of the music was fucking awful. But you know, DC and a couple other places had good ones.
0: Um, yes. So the lesson is um there's always something new to discover in (laughs) Spotify. Yeah. Exactly. Uh suggested bands. Um uh, and perhaps uh, the there's a limit to the depth of uh, what you're missing if you haven't truly uh, explored psych rock. Yeah. From the 1960s. Oh yeah.
1: So as a psych rock lover, I have to admit, psych rock gets wanky real fast. Like, I feel like I love the top tier of psych rock as much as anything, but the B tier uh, is kind of embarrassing. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, enjoy the good stuff is my advice.
0: Yeah. What's is there uh uh does Psych Rock still exist now?
1: Oh yeah. Totally. Um what? I would say it's had a little bit of a revival in the last decade, actually. So That's true. For me, the number one modern Psych Rock album is the first Tame and Paula album.
0: Yes, that's Tame and Paula is what yeah. jumped to my mind. Inner well.
1: speaker. And the second one yeah. would definitely be classified as Psych Rock, and then they became Hollow Notes. Um but um Uh, there are a lot of other bands like that. A Dungan from Sweden does psych rock. Um, uh, I feel like Austin has a bunch of psych rock bands, including ones we might've seen together. Um, But uh, their names are escaping me, but there's several others uh, that have definitely been, oh, Ty Seagal, he's more garage, but there's psych elements to him. Uh, It definitely goes on still.
0: Yeah, and I I mean, it's, it's... I feel like that psych rock has had a long tail, a long claw of getting into indie music. Yeah, um, certainly even since the '90s, the Elephant Six Collective, uh, there was a heavy, uh, heavy influence there. Yeah, um, Neutral Milk Hotel and beyond.
1: Yeah, to be honest, uh, even like the the loud parts of "In the Airplane Over the Sea" could almost be called psych rock. Yeah. Yeah,
0: people have always wanted to. I don't know. It's it's it may be a bit of um the holy grail for a lot of the more avant garde minded, uh, but not quite avant garde musicians is to, you know, come up with sort of the perfect psych rock that's both um, relatable and popular and uh, truly far out. Man, I
1: think that's exactly what I like about it. It rocks, yeah. real hard and yet is also super weird. That's mm-hmm. that's my corner right there. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and that's um you know what song does both of those things, Paul? Uh Wonderwall <laughs> the- <laughs> <laughs> Um
1: I now I want uh, uh I want uh a true psych rock cover of Wonderwall. Um, mm-hmm. uh with if you had like blistering distorted guitars uh losing their shit you know like two of them dueling underneath that chorus that becomes a more interesting song um now it makes sense that the lyrics make no sense i'm i'm done with this
0: damn i'm into this as well (laughs) maybe cool ad will will record it
1: for us cool ad's take on wonderwall i would absolutely listen to
0: he is now offering to tattoo people for 44 dollars.
1: <laughs> he will do a tattoo on you for 44 dollars yes, yes. <laughs> uh i i presume he has no training in this art
0: you know i mean i hope he knows how to do it safely yeah yeah i presume uh,
1: sterilization will occur
0: yeah but otherwise i think he just draws little pictures oh man Matching Savage Beast tattoos. I would do Here it. Come. I would do it. Just <laughs>
1: yes. r- r- right around the anus. <laughs> <laughs> hmm.
0: Yes, that seems like the appropriate place. I can't argue.
1: <laughs> okay, before this gets any worse. Um, everybody, thanks for listening. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should uh, rate, subscribe, review, uh, listen on Apple Podcasts, if you can, uh, or your preferred medium. Uh, hit us up at Savage Spot on Twitter. Email us at savagespot at and we will respond because we love you. So thank you. And good night.